Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Marissa DeBeese was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer on her face when she was a teen. The vocalist guitarist of Philadelphia four-piece, Mannequin Pussy, became very isolated during her health scare, which fueled her depression. Marissa wanted to play guitar since she was 15 years old, but she let depression hold her back and interfere with her aspirations to be a musician. At the age of 23, she finally picked up an instrument and started writing songs. But just as Mannequin Pussy started to pick up, Her mom had a stroke, and she had to return home to help her dad. Once again, her isolation and loneliness became a catalyst for her depression. It was writing songs and playing guitar that ultimately gave her purpose, and challenged her to follow her heart. Being part of Mannequin Pussy and the underground music community helped her see the traumatic events in her life in a new light. Playing music became a way for her to express anger and joy, and to screen them out. As Marissa discovered, Facing trauma with supportive friends at your side is integral to mental health. I'm Marissa DeBeese. I play in Mannequin Pussy. And my first involvements with music is something I kind of desperately was interested in, but was very far away. It was when I was a teenager. I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, and it immediately changed my entire perception of what life can be and the way that we interact with it and how we how we process these big events that happen in our lives. And I felt for a very long time, I was very, very isolated from from other people and being able to talk to them about these things and made me understand a slightly younger age that what we do has a very big impact on the way that we feel mentally and, and also like ignoring these big things that happen in our life has a very adverse effect on us. I think for a very long time in my life, I tried to pretend as though these experiences that were were very traumatic and painful, just pretend like they didn't happen. And what I slowly realized over time is that it just kind of like numbs you out to the world. And it just means that it pops up at certain times until you really examine it and your your own relationship to that experience. And then when I started the band, I was finally like 23 
I had just been so depressed and kind of like checked out of my own life from the experiences I had as a teenager. I just started realizing I've been talking about wanting to play guitar since I was 15 years old and let depression get in the way of trying things that I wanted to do. And so I decided I was going to get a guitar and learn how to play. And then right at that same time, my mother suffered a stroke and I had to move home at the age of 23 to help my father in taking care of her at that time, which kind of felt like just as I was starting to understand this, like one experience I was being thrown into another that was very painful and again, made me feel very isolated from the people around me because my friends were not experiencing these things alongside me and, and I felt very alone. So do you think that the depression was brought on by these events in your life? I've honestly not figured out enough about myself at this point to understand what that genesis is, like what that like real place is, the root of it. I really only have these certain experiences and kind of my own struggles with them and the lasting effect that they have on you as you try to make sense of feeling like you have maybe any sort of control over your life. The sense that there is no control is what leads us spinning out in space or, or very numb and unable to do things because it feels like there is no power to be had. I definitely have, I think, always been a very depressed person and had a lot of difficulty expressing myself to other people and giving a name and being able to verbalize what my emotions are. I've learned to be very in touch with myself, but articulating that to another person and really confiding and having those conversations just is very, very hard for me. When you were a teen and had the cancer, I would imagine that really affected your alienation that you were talking about. Definitely. I mean, it's not by any means a normal teen experience. And so much of when we're teenagers, whether or not we are more alternative or whatever, is that we kind of want to be normal. We want to feel like we're a part of this world. And those sorts of things kind of immediately make you feel like you're being pushed off to a side of the world where everyone else is getting to live theirs. Honestly, I kind of think that it fucks with your empathy a little bit. I'm very harsh about my younger self because I think for a while it made me really feel like what I was going through was so much bigger than what anyone else is. And it takes time to realize that you're actually part of this very interconnected experience of people struggling through pain in very different ways and experiences that are very different. And so it's really this thing that connects us all rather than isolates us, but there's just no way to express to a depressed person that you're actually part of this interconnected web because you feel completely alone. Yeah. And then getting into the music scene, what changed when you had that as part of your life? I mean, really, it kind of felt like a purpose and a drive of, of something that I was so interested in that I loved so much that I could challenge myself to put a lot of these feelings into songs and to understand myself better because I think I tried to ignore myself for a very long time. And then once you start actually addressing your trauma and your shame and your what is going on inside of you at any time, you start to understand yourself in a way that makes it easier to live as yourself. And I would imagine 
music being a place where you could be more honest as well. Yeah. I mean, I still think it's embarrassingly kind of still easier for me to put myself into a song rather than, yeah, I mean, no, I think I can definitely get into like a heart to heart. People do confide in me as well. And yeah, I find myself in those deeper <laughs> moments with people where you're kind of like, this thing happened to you. Oh my God, that happened to me. And it's definitely because like for so long I felt so alone, but once I would kind of open my eyes up to the fact that these are much more universal experiences than I might have realized as a younger person, that support can be there. I'm still figuring it out. Community is huge. I know when I was younger, I was quite alienated and having trouble with my own trauma and problems that I had throughout my childhood. And I wasn't necessarily having those heart to hearts because I didn't have those folks to have them with. We were too busy skateboarding to care about talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Having that community is a way to heal from trauma. Otherwise, you can do it on your own, but it's a heck of a lot of work. Yeah, it is. And in the art way is a way where you do kind of go it alone for a long time, where it's just you trying to work this out through watching this experience transform into something else. This experience couldn't have just given us pain. I need to feel like I have some sort of control over it and I can watch it grow into something else. It can't just live inside of me because if it just lives inside of me, then I'll never deal with it. And if I never deal with it, then it'll kill me. And so I need it to transform and I need it to grow. A lot of the songs that you do to me sound like they're about toxic relationships or situations where things have gone really bad or sour. I guess that could apply to self-relationship as well. Definitely. I mean, I think those early experiences of my life, kind of the realization just of how cruel people can be to each other didn't come until later in my life, almost, where I was involved in relationships that were very unhealthy and very toxic. I think out of this very desperate need to not want to feel alone anymore and to feel connected to another person and even when that person was just so obviously not someone who should be in your life, you're just clinging to this hope that love will take care of all your problems. I kind of blame Hollywood for that one a little bit because there's just so many like examples. And then you fell in love and everything was great. The way that people love each other and, and learn about each other can be extraordinarily hurtful to each other. And how did those kinds of hurts affect your mental health? For me, I'm very susceptible to major events in my life. Must have been taking a toll on your health as well. Definitely. I mean, you tend to like really hyper externalize things where you kind of think everything is wrong with you instead of looking at us really as like all individual people who are independently dealing with our own things. And I think it's very true that the closer we are to people, sometimes the more hurtful you can be to them because that whatever that line is kind of gets erased as soon as, you know, you're sharing a bed with someone. <laughs> the romantic relationships can be just so damaging for so many people because there's just that intense desire to couple up. It's kind of biological in this way or society definitely reinforces it that you're supposed to be part of supposed to be half of a whole instead of this idea that you are a whole searching for another person who not looking for another person to fix them or to be the, the root of all their problems. Yeah, because you're managing someone else now, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I kind of I definitely if I could go back in time, I would tell myself, don't bother dating people in your 20s because it's a uh, it's a minefield with just how people can't communicate with each other. So how do you turn that into a positive? I know that a lot of the music that you write and the songs you write are very visceral and, and they have this therapeutic feel to them as far as just screaming and kind of getting it all out. Uh, well, I mean, I think a scream is definitely a very like kind of primal therapy thing of just, again, like in so many movies I've seen, there's that just dramatic scene where the a character just breaks down and screams in their car or like wherever they are, they just can't take it anymore. And I feel like I've had many moments where I feel like I just can't take it anymore. But there's no really societally acceptable place to scream. So if you're going to do that, then you better be starting an art project or a band and and creating a, a place where you can kind of do that in a healthy way. And luck is maybe not the right word, but luckily the experiences I had with cancer and, and caretaking for my mother really made it very obvious to me at a young age that like you cannot live with these things inside of you you need to work through them and you need them to transform into different ways so taking very intense relationship experiences with other people and feeling just as hurt and traumatized as these early life experiences but noting that they were the same in the way that they made me feel do you remember getting permission to scream when you were younger? Was that something that you felt like you could do? So strap on a guitar and all of a sudden you've got the power. Yeah, I mean, I think just at a very young age, I was very attracted to like heavy music. And uh, I think that definitely could be what correlation or causation of what I was going through at a young age. But I was really invested in aggressive heavy sounding rock or on the flip side wanting to go to a fish concert and have a different you know experience through like psychedelics or something like that as i tried to understand my brain more and, and who i am do you remember what it was like when you first heard the heavy music that feeling of whether it was going to be for you or not the heaviest thing i heard early on was maybe Incubus is science. Like it's kind of like a new medley album. I think I was about 15 or something maybe when I heard that. But yeah, I was, I was so, I haven't thought about that record in so long, but just so interested in just layers of what I now recognize as distortion and the heaviness that can be created, the different ways that you can like use your voice to express pain and urgency. I think in an early age too, I really like tapped into lyrics. I, I really enjoyed like CD booklets and looking through all the art and reading all the lyrics and discovering more about every album is kind of its own little mini universe. And I don't know if I was identifying the emotions, but I could feel the pain and whether or not it was the same experience, it still felt like just a relief to hear someone on record that seemed to sound the way that I felt. Yeah, the whole fight fire with fire. Yeah, yeah. If attacks, fight back. <laughs> Do you mind taking me back to when you were younger and you found out you had cancer? And I understand it was quite a rare type of cancer. Yes, it was very rare. It was so weird the way that I found out I had it. I had just been feeling so strange for a long time, very weak and tired. And I was in 
class one day and a friend of mine just looked over at me and was like, oh, your face looks weird. And I was like, fuck you. My face does not look weird. I'm 15 and very self-conscious. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like you have this red ring around your nose. And then went home and showed that to my parents. And they're like, oh, that is weird. And then went to a doctor and turns out there was a, a tumor growing in my face that at that point, I think there have been like 300 cases of worldwide of alveolar soft part sarcoma is what it's called. It's just so, it's so bizarre to think about now. It kind of like in the weird way, like the further I get away from it, the weirder it feels that it happened at all. I was very, very lucky that I did not have to have chemotherapy or radiation. One of the very few things that they knew about the cancer that I had, being that there were only a couple hundred cases of it at the time, was that it didn't respond at all to chemotherapy or radiation. It's something that had to be removed surgically, which is both a blessing. I mean, I don't even want to say it's a curse at all because chemotherapy is very, very difficult and painful process that people go through. But yeah, it was either like you just remove it surgically and you get it and you just have to keep an eye on it for years and years and years and years to make sure that it doesn't come back or you don't get it and it spreads to your brain and you just, yeah. So I've just kind of felt like for five years, I was just waiting to see if I would be okay. And during those years, do you remember that your mood had sunk connected with being depressed? I was definitely depressed. Looking at... I remember the, I found no joy in life. I just tried to drink a lot and take drugs and find these kind of like escapist ways of living. And I, I kind of felt like it was very much like a teenage reaction to it too, where it's like, if you were a teenager who thought you might not live very long, what would you do? Oh, you would want to have experiences. Well, what are experiences? And then for a kid who's growing up in the suburbs, it's like, uh, I guess I could drink a bunch of green apple vodka at a party and throw up, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a bucket list of incredible things I got to do. It was buy some angry albums at Sam Goody and smoke some pot on the weekends. <laughs> You've been pretty outspoken about cell phones and social media and technology I don't ever like want to be very simplistic about it and it's like I hate it I love it way I don't know I can see so much of the benefits of it these ways that technology allows us to be connected and clued into things that we would never know are happening without it being present but the effect that it has on us to almost feel like we have to be a very particular kind of person is the same thing I really felt so strongly against when I was a kid. When I was 15 and going through this, it was really like shoved down my throat, not so much by my parents, but by like my school and my peers. There's one way to live a life, one recipe for success. There's one path towards a future. And sometimes the ire I have with social media is that it starts to reinforce that kind of very like similar conversations of this is how a person is supposed to look and present themselves and say things. And I think it can just be very addicting and damaging in a way. Like I just spent the last week out in the woods with absolutely no service. And I just felt so, <sighs> I just felt such a 
mental reset. And then the moment I got back on my phone, when I was able to, I started to feel that just rush of panic again. And I was like, oh, fuck, I got away from this. And now here I am back out of it. And here we go. The anxiety that ramps up. Yeah, immediately. How do you feel about the idea of being in the forest all the time? Is that a possibility? Not being in the forest, but metaphorically. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility for me. I would like to imagine my life as something that kind of has like a, a next big kind of chapter coming to it. And for me, that really might be like moving out of the city. And I think I'm happier in a natural place. I think that's always been true for me, but where I am at at this point in my life really necessitates me to be very connected. But I'm not always sure that that is the best thing for me. In your community, the music community, and maybe folks that are in your social community, are you seeing a lot of dysfunction or you think that people are handling things fairly well? Because I know that with this podcast, there's a lot of folks that are struggling, but they're also supporting each other. The best friends I have, not a long list, but a quality list kind of thing, are all people that have come into my life through music. And just having them there, I, I think that it's so it's kind of frustrating when I start to think about the way that my trauma and, and depression has shaped my relationship to these things to go back to, to childhood again it's just so desperately like what I wanted was people who I felt really safe with that I could talk about anything with and I was very lucky as a, a teenager to have some really good friends but we didn't have those deep talks until you know much later in our lives I don't think teens are emotionally equipped or at least at the era that I grew up in, I think that honestly could be very different now with the advent of something like social media and, and the way that things like our mental illness and depression and the traumas that we go through are much more openly shared about instead of just all having this kind of quiet pain that we all suffer. And I guess part of it is turning the negative stuff into positive stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think art and music it's a very um to have the opportunity to have a place where you can pour those experiences in i don't know what a lot of us would do without it <laughs> what would be the other what's the alternative to this already i i don't think there is one i'm not sure i think that emotions are necessarily negative but the anger emotion is considered to be negative you can't be angry but in some ways musicians and punks they're actually reclaiming that anger oh i think anger is so useful anger is the seed to which brings change unless you are angry about something you're not going to get anywhere with it and i don't think that that needs to be the defining emotion with whatever it is that makes you angry continuing to be angry about it for a very long time will eat at you in the same way but it's an important beginning because anger is actually feeling something and a lot of the times depression is feeling nothing and just this emptiness this numbness this just sinking and i don't see anger as the sinking thing i see it as a, a fighting anger and joy the two fighting emotions yeah exactly they're the only things that really make us ah you know like want to want to exclaim you know there's nothing about depression that makes me want to exclaim it just makes me want to shrink and but that power, that, that comes from anger and joy. 
Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. If you don't go-